Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I think Kylie Minogue was the voice of the pig in... She was, yeah. Eyes. There was a number about podiatry in it. It was oh. a very strange piece. I must have blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I must have blocked it out. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special crossover episode from two of your favorite Broadway Podcast Network shows. My name is Blake. I'm the host of Burnt, which is a true crime podcast about the crazy musical that never was, Rebecca. And I'm joined by two jolly fellows across the pond. Hello. Hello there. Um, I'm Chris. Nice to meet you. And I'm Holly. Uh, hello. Uh, we're, My we're two the... friends from Out for Blood. <laughs> and the history of convening this crossover episode is nearly as convoluted as the history of Carrie the Musical or Rebecca. Yes. For anybody who has any dissolutions about the podcasting world, Holly and myself are both in our closet studios big time yeah um and chris is currently playing the ghost of himself with a white sheet over his head and that is his home studio i don't know what you're talking about this is a professional podcasting studio that i have purchased (laughs) this is not a duvet draped over some boxes Mm -hmm. it's very high quality yeah and this podcast has been months in the making because we tried to record it once yeah and some cheeky little ghosts got in the way. They were yeah. like, you will not talk about failed musicals on my watch. <laughs> it was the ghost complete... of musicals past. It was. Yes. This is take three, I think. This is take three is. on this yeah. podcast. So if you are listening to this, dear God, it's worked. We're here. We're here in your feed. It's the collaboration that you never knew you needed in your life. Exactly. But you do. <laughs> The match made in heaven. (laughs) Two Broadway disasters together at last in your ears. Carrie and Rebecca, two very different ladies, but with with actually quite a lot in common, as we discovered on our first or second time uh, discussing the musicals together. (laughs) Exactly. They were both, oh, they both have their wonderful, wonderful points, and they both um, were utter disasters in the end. So let's first for the uninitiated, although I can't imagine somebody winding up on this specific episode not knowing one or the other or knowing both, but just in case people don't have the insider knowledge yet, give us the the quick lowdown on what Out for Blood is and <laughs> its source material, your favorite musical. Go. In, in one minute or less. Shall I start, Holly? Yeah. How do we begin? So Holly and I <laughs> discovered, we like to think we discovered uh, this dusty VHS tape back in our youth, which was many decades ago now, uh, sadly. <laughs> and on this dusty VHS tape, we discovered a grainy recording of a musical we just couldn't believe that had been filmed by someone in the audience in the 80s. So presumably quite, you know, a difficult job to film a Broadway musical from the from your seat in the 80s. And this musical was, of course, Carrie the Musical. And it turned out that a lot of people had actually 
actually discovered the show before we did. <laughs> we didn't. We weren't the first people to find it. But basically, Carrie is indeed a musical based on the Stephen King novel and the famous movie. Um, so unlikely material to start with to make a musical out of. Um, a girl who discovers she has telekinetic powers when she has her first period in the showers at school and goes on to kill all of her classmates. I mean, what kind of a perfect night out on Broadway? Yeah, feel-good family, yeah, holiday show. show. And anyway, um, some people got together in the early '80s. The the um, award-winning team behind Fame, uh, (laughs) in a perfect match for for such source material, got together with the Royal (laughs) Shakespeare Company, uh, of course, and they got together to make this show um, with an all-star cast and a wonderful um, new star called Lindsay Hately, who was only 17 at the time. Um, The show premiered here in the UK, in Stratford-upon-Avon, where it was just universally panned by critics, but actually loved by audiences, which was amazing, we found. Partly because... It was just this bizarre mixture of kind of high school musical Grease style high energy dance routines choreographed by Debbie Allen um, and this bizarre kind of classical, almost um, ancient Greek like aesthetic that had been put together by Terry Hans, the director who was also running the RSC due to a bit of a misunderstanding after someone told him to make the show look like Greece. And of course, everyone loves Greece, the musical set in a high school. But he, with his classical theatre training, took that to mean Greece as in ancient Greece. And, um... Literally Greece. And it somehow took this musical millions of dollars down <laughs> the rabbit hole from one misunderstanding, for a pretty much a misunderstanding. Exactly. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. And Bizarre. I mean, Holly, take it from there because after after the Stratford debacle, they decided- Came the Broadway debacle. Yeah, why, <laughs> why not just leave it as it is and take it to Broadway? Yeah, they basically didn't really change anything. <laughs> Apart from a key cast member, actually. So um, much like this crossover episode, uh, this it was a, a, a pan-Atlantic uh, production. Yeah. Half the cast Ooh, were American. Good tie-in, the... Holly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and so, yes, half the cast were American, half the cast were British. And then when they took it to Broadway, uh, it, the, the wonderful Barbara Cook was replaced with... Um, well, she didn't want to do it anymore for reasons which we go into in our podcast. And Betty Buckley took over. And uh, then the the Broadway shenanigans kick off, which is a whole riot in itself. Uh, ten episodes worth. <laughs> ten episodes worth. Culminating a very sudden closure. And But we do go into what happened, the life after death, the hand through the grave of, yeah. uh, of Carrie the Musical. Because I guess... I guess like Rebecca never happened, but Carrie actually mm. made it to the stage briefly yeah. and then went away for a couple of decades. And then there was this kind of army of fans who almost kind of campaigned to bring it back. And then in the early 2010s, the writers came back together and rewrote the show and kind of contempor- contemporized. Is that even the word? They contemporized it. Let's, let's go with it. And they did a new version of the show and now it's performed all over the world, which is kind of amazing. And it's, it's been on Riverdale and it's it's had all these strange kind of um, returns. And yeah, so Carrie came back. Carrie rose from the dead. And we kind of went back and explored the entire history of it, which, yeah. which was fun. Because Carrie became sort of a cult classic, whereas yeah. Rebecca was the show <laughs> that never was. Yeah. And the story of it became much larger and frankly a bit more interesting than the actual musical ever could have been (laughs) definitely and I think I always think that this story is a bit like the Carrie story but with way more lawsuits and court cases (laughs) yes so again for anybody who's uh an out for blood fan but hasn't yet found burnt uh Rebecca the musical is a bit similar in its sort of like dark mysterious uh nature and that it's you know thriller if you will and it's based on the Daphne du Maurier novel from the 30s that then became an Alfred Hitchcock uh, movie in the 40s and then uh, about this uh young woman who doesn't have a name because you know at in the 40s women didn't need to have names whatever (laughs) 
So she was a nameless young biddy <laughs> who uh, falls in love with this dashing widower named Max. And Max sweeps her up and brings whisks her back to his beautiful mansion uh, called Manderley because back then homes also had names you couldn't just say it's my home you had to say it's called manderley so he brought her back to manderley and there they encounter the very spooky uh character of mrs danvers and she's this uh uh older uh caretaker of manderley the mansion and she also embodies is sort of like the the physical embodiment of the ghost of maxim's first wife the title character of Rebecca. Um, anyway, the musical went through a bunch of different successful iterations uh, over in Europe. And what made it interesting was not so much the musical, as I said, it was the crazy court cases that came afterward. Uh, basically, this producer, the, the podcast is less about the musical and more about the court cases. And this producer who became a man obsessed his name is Ben Sprecher, and he became obsessed with putting this show on and having this be his big Phantom of the Opera moment. Um, and it turned out being his complete downfall. And there's court cases, and there's jails, and there's jail calls, and there's fake deaths. There's sabotage from the inside. There's a lot of rigmarole with this with those, this old gal, Rebecca. So Rebecca and Carrie, yeah, these these gals were had a little had. Crazy times on the stage. They certainly did. <laughs> they like, certainly we did. absolutely loved the podcast, Blake. It was just a ride, and it obviously way up our street. <laughs> <laughs> How did you kind of like? You spoke to some amazing people. Which guests did you kind of enjoy speaking to the most, making this amazing show? Well, I will say that. So the the part of it centers around the producer Ben Sprecher. And part of it centers around this man named Mark Houghton, who is this notorious con man from Long Island, which is where I'm from in New York. Um, and he ended up perpetu perpetuating this huge myth around who he was, who he knew, the people that he brought into this business, and created this big con um, that destroyed this musical. And he ends up going to jail. And I found Mark Houghton in jail. Um, and it was my first, um, as a big true crime lover, it was my first uh, jail call. You know, like the, <laughs> you have a call from <laughs> yeah. a federal wow. prison. <laughs> and I was like dying when I got this phone call because I just, you know, you see it in the movies or you see it on yeah. a dateline. And there was Mark Cotton. It was so strange to be a part of, to like experience the whole prison communication system um, and talk to this guy who was in jail and he's not in jail anymore. He ended up, it took a wild turn because of COVID. Like the whole world took a wild turn and he ended up getting out of prison, going back to Long Island and kind of giving me a bit of the runaround. But I found him at this um, Volkswagen dealership where he now works and presumably has gone on the straight and narrow and taken like a real job and like stopped conning people, but you never know. So it kind of just got me interested. I've always been interested in this, in the case of bringing Rebecca to the stage because it just kept getting crazier and crazier and crazier. You couldn't make this stuff up. It was such a bizarre road for this, this show. And it was all about a Broadway show. It wasn't about like, you know, the Pentagon or, yeah. you know, uh, Facebook or some multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar conglomerate. It was like, it was just a show that ended up, <laughs> just getting crazy who was who was a favorite your favorite person that you guys spoke to oh my gosh wow. we spoke to some amazing people um I, well there, there, there was this sort of incredible night when we assembled the original uh well we didn't assemble we we make we got in touch with with uh with the wonderful kenny from the original ensemble who put together via his you know facebook and a network of they're, they're still very close a lot of them and we sat in kenny's garden and sort of fangirled at the original <laughs> cast <laughs> who were just completely baffled by these two weirdos turned up with microphones and they were like what do you, why do you want to talk to us about this no but it sounded like they got it all the time it sounded like it thought it was because yeah. it became a cult classic it kind of followed them wherever they go that everybody yeah. wanted to talk to them about it yeah definitely i think it's a lot of them were saying you know whatever they auditioned for 
as soon as people clocked that they had been in Carrie, that was all they were interested in hearing about. Yeah. They just kind of, you know, people like, no, you weren't sure. And this just became their lives. You know, they went on to bigger and better things. If there is such a thing as a bigger and better thing that carry the musical, but it just kind of followed them around their entire lives and careers. Yeah. And the stories we heard, the more people we spoke to, Holly, really, the more we kind of dug out of the archives. I mean, oh, absolutely. That pig, that whole pig chain. <laughs> <laughs> what we? What was the pig thing? I mean, I know the pig's blood, but was there? There's a fake pig or something? Yeah. Remind yeah. me. <laughs> Yeah, there is a pig. There was was like an animatronic pig in the show for a while in Stratford, which got cut because it was too weird. And then, like, the (laughs) orchestra. You don't say. (laughs) I still can't quite follow this through. The orchestrator kind of stole it as they were shipping it off somewhere. And then he just casually dropped into an interview that he had it in his house. And the next thing we know, he he sent photos of the pig. And this is this pig that we kind of joked about for 20 years. there it was oh my god and he's got it he's got it yeah i, I want to go and see it we want to we, we tried to name it we tried to own it, it yeah it yeah. exists the carry the musical I mean, pig what is it with british American musical theater there are at least two musicals i can think of that feature an animatronic pig what's the other one betty blue eyes did that ever come over to the to the u.s no, I don't think yeah. so. You didn't miss out, I'm going to be honest. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe there's an Animal Farm, the musical, that I'm not aware of as well. But uh, Maybe or Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web. Oh, that'd be lovely. Well, if they need a pig, we know a guy. So. I was just going to say. <laughs> so Rebecca did not have a pig. But no. there, were a, there were a couple of things that were similar between Rebecca and out for and uh, excuse me and Carrie mm. that I, I I think we should touch upon. Yeah. Yes. One of which I just mentioned to Chris before you got on Holly mm-hmm. and I'll tell it again. One of which was apparently I did not know this. But the great Betty Buckley was somehow at <sighs> some point in time involved in Rebecca. And oh she's got gosh. dirt to spill. <laughs> Get her on the line. I'm going to call her up right now. Betty! Yes! Well, I did. I She tweeted at me. I know Betty for a long time. Um, she tweeted at me and said, I have to tell you my story about Rebecca, of which I had no idea that she was involved. Because if you think about it, she was involved in Carrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was involved in Sunset Boulevard, which is another great yes. podcast, the Sunset Project, yeah. which also had its own craziness abound about it. And now Rebecca, like Betty Buckley, can't catch a break with these crazy musicals, <laughs> crazy producers, crazy directors. So, but I never got to the bottom of it. I'm filming. I'll take. I'll tell you next time oh, I'm in New York. Wow. So Betty Buckley, if you're listening. Get in Lunch touch. on me. <laughs> yeah. We need to talk about Rebecca ASAP. Get the tea. She's in, not only in the Carrie musical, but obviously before that, she was in the movie too. So she's like the, she's a long time Carrie aficionado. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's some strange congruence between the two musicals. Mm. Yeah. There's also, um, you know, Big Staircase. Yes. Yes. <laughs> big Staircase. Very important. Rebecca's staircase was to be set ablaze. And one of the things I found out during my research, interestingly enough, about Rebecca, which you Londoners might find interesting, is so uh, originally Rebecca was supposed to play the Shaftesbury Theater in London. And when it did a whole reading at Jerwood Studios with okay. Sierra Bogus, yeah. which had its own craziness and was really weird. And they fired some people and brought people in from Germany. It was a very weird reading. Um, and if you haven't listened to Burnt, it's in episode one about like the craziness around that weird reading. But they were supposed to go at into the Shaftesbury. They brought this massive. They were they were doing some work to this. Uh, the ground level of the Shaftesbury to see if they could bring in this massive staircase um, that they end up having these crazy pyrotechnics around. They excavate part of the Shaftesbury Uh and hit a pipe and the pipe floods the basement. Oh, wow. Not only now you're like, okay, well it's, you know, we'll do some repairs and keep going. No, no, no. They backed out. What I found is they did not, 
move forward with it because allegedly <laughs> they found ruins underneath, like Roman ruins no. underneath oh, the wow. Shaftesbury Theater. <sighs> and they were like, well, well, we don't want to deal with that. Like, you you know, like once you deal there's, with rumens under your theater, yeah. you're kind of screwed. So they just were like, nope, next. Oh, oh wow. Do That's, it. <gasps> That's crazy. And like, Whoa. you don't want to, do you think they unleashed an ancient curse maybe? Probably. Yeah. I don't know what's playing there now. Julia. And Julia. Yeah. And Julia. And it's doing quite well, right? Yeah. But actually the Shaftesbury does have a bit of a reputation until recently of hosting a lot of flops. It's Bat kind Boy of like Bat Boy was there. Like there've been a lot of short-lived things in mm. the Shaftesbury, and I think it's kind of shaken it off a bit recently because yeah, and Juliet's been around a while, and they had hairspray there for years and stuff. But and Motown was there for Motown was there a long time. But I think there was a series of like three or four month runs of, of big musicals that were just way too big for this, way too small for this big fat theater. So yeah. I think they probably invoked some kind of Roman curse on the Maybe. place. Almost certainly. Well, next. The next episode of this weird crossover will be me flying to London and the three of us going to the Shaftesbury and saging it and oh bringing like gosh. mediums yeah. in to call the ghosts of whoever is haunting that place. I the ghost wait. of Carrie. The ghost would <laughs> be amazing. So we have okay, so we have staircases, staircases. which we have Betty Buckley. We have staircases. Yeah. Which Carrie has an enormous staircase. Yes, it does. It ends with a giant staircase descending from the heavens. That's a big kind of yes. expensive metaphor for something. Yes. Okay. What's your? Th- what's the third connection? Runaway producers. Runaway. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Remind me the name of yours, Friedrich. Was that his name? Friedrich Fritz Kurt. Fritz. Yes. Fr- I think, yes. Yeah, I think Fritz is a short, shortened version of Friedrich. Maybe. Can any German people con- confirm? But um, yeah, so basically he was like a commercial producer who got involved in the Broadway run of Carrie. And when he saw the terrible reviews, he panicked and closed, allegedly panicked and closed the bank accounts and fled back to Germany and was never seen again. Really, uh, yeah, really quite quite poor behavior. Did you find if anyone got paid, did you find if like people got paid or people got stiffed? That's a good point. I think they got paid, didn't they? Yeah, I think they got paid. You have to put up like the equity bond and stuff like that. So like you have to prove that you have the money. But I wonder like there for sure there must have been people who were screwed. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it was all a bit cloudy and um, hard to kind of dig into the exactly what happened. And it was also sudden, you know, it it was literally Mm -hmm. five, you know, five minutes later, it was it was closed within a week or two of opening and everyone just went home. And because it was this kind of half British cast, half of them went back to the UK, half of them spread around the world. And it was just, yeah, it was, I imagine, I think they all got paid for the work that they did, but that was it. You know, they were expecting to be there a year or so and, and yeah. they is were going he, a week. Is he still alive, Fritz? He is, right? Think as far so. as we're aware. Yeah, but I think now quite old and somewhere in Germany and we weren't able to track him down. We'd love to have a chat, Fritz, if you're out Oh my there. gosh, yeah, Fritz, reach out. Did he ever do any other like shows? Yes. So he, he did. So he went back to work in Germany. Yeah, he famously produced um Starlight Express in Germany. Um mm. and that's been running ever since. It's still running in the same purpose-built venue. They love it. And I yeah. think he was one of the original producers. I don't know how involved he is now in that, but yeah, it's still going. Well, that's our fourth connection is Germany <sighs> because that's where Rebecca started it started in germany and it became this big hit it's uh, by sylvester levey and michael kunza who was famously a part of another classic flop on broadway dance of the vampires uh-huh. and rebecca was supposed to be his big redemption story i mean talk about the antithesis of that but it ran in germany for a long time was a big hit. That's where Ben Sprecher and Louise Ferlenza, his other producer, um, the other lead producer for Rebecca, found it and thought that this was like their ticket to the big leagues. And they found it in Germany. It was Rebecca Das Musical. Mm. Amazing. So that's our fourth one. And then I guess number five would be kind of Miss Danvers and... Yeah. 
Is that a, a bridge too far? I was going to say like Miss Danvers and Carrie's mom, the Margaret White connection of these women sort of possessed with this otherworldliness about them. Mm. And also like a, a, a musical about a woman of a, or not about, but like having a star that is a woman of a certain age, quote unquote, if you will, that like doesn't really exist so much anymore. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a thematic link, link at least that we can mm. say is there definitely. Slightly unhinged, mature, slightly lady. unhinged, slightly kind of psychosexual vibes as well. Ooh, yes, weird. Mm. Yes. Well, speaking of psychosexual vibes, <laughs> and speaking of <laughs> that's us. <laughs> Should we take a quick break? Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> what a segue. Who do you think the advertisers are this week? They're going to be real happy with that, right? Use code PSYCHOSEXUAL10 for 10% off the following product or service. <laughs> we'll be back okay, after Okay, we'll this. take a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Hooray, we're back. <laughs> Did you buy a Casper mattress with the code psychosexual? <laughs> this podcast may or may not be transpired by Casper mattress. Um, Thank you to our uh, generous advertisers. Uh, um, Blake, do you think there's a future for Rebecca anywhere in the world? Are we likely to see a performance of Rebecca anytime soon? Well, the difference between me and Rebecca and you guys and Carrie is you guys found this musical and loved it. Yeah. Whereas I fell in love with the story enough to want to investigate it. And then I watched Fair, a bootleg version of the German musical with subtitles. Now, that's a very difficult way to take in a musical. Yeah. But I just don't necessarily think it was that great of a show. It was Euro poppy to the max. And the theme of it, this young, naive, little fawn in the wood, unnamed girl who falls in love lickety split with this dashing mysterious man and he whisks her off to his mansion where this old woman is like keeping the flame of his his ex-wife alive or or uh uh dead wife alive yeah. i just what it doesn't necessarily like feel like the most relevant nowadays i mean literally mm. an unnamed woman i think it i mean it there's enough there with the fact that that's what Carrie sold on a couple of years ago when they did that off-Broadway version of it. There was such lore built around it right. that mm. people just wanted to see it. So I think an enterprising producer could come along and maybe try and find a way to bring it back to life and and use the catalyst of the crazy, crazy press that it got before to try and like – you know, yeah. build it into something. But I think mm -hmm. it would fundamentally, I don't know that it was such a great show to be completely honest with you. Right. Yeah. It was basically like a bootleg phantom the, or the way that it was produced. <laughs> like there's a masquerade ball in, in, in it, like the middle, literally the act one yeah. beginning is a masquerade ball. I was like, what you did a wow. not as good as phantom masquerade ball or you did like Miss Danvers was kind of like a phantom without a mask and a woman. It was just, a, it, there's a lot of like, huh? So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
And do you think that's what keeps it alive then in people's imaginations? Is just the kind of Schadenfreude of it all. Like I can't believe they did that. Or or are there people who are just who still love it? I mean, there's clearly an audience for it in in Germany. Well, there's productions before the um before the pandemic. It was it was uh going back to Asia, doing another Asian tour. It wow. it became like the best selling tour in Seoul in Korea. It's played a bunch of different so it's it's got a life out there you know not mm-hmm. everybody needs to come to broadway to be successful in fact most aren't successful and can find life outside of it um but i do think it's schadenfreude a bit um i think that's like i said i think it's it's a little bit of what made carrie so appealing years later was seeing what Stafford Arima, right? Is Stafford Arima? Yeah. That's right, yeah. Who redid it just to see what somebody could do with this notoriously failed musical. It's like, who's going to do Moose Murders? <laughs> because you know it's coming. Like, yeah. everybody loves a great redemption story. So I don't, I never say never with, with certainly with Rebecca. You should yeah. never know. But it it won't be Ben Sprecher doing it, that's for sure. <laughs> it's interesting what you say, because we spoke to Stafford a lot in the podcast and you know, he he obviously had that challenge that people did want to come and see a car crash because they'd heard all about this disastrous show. And he was faced with this challenge of reimagining it and, you know, getting people to come and see it just for the, the sake of it being a great show and a great story. And I think, you know, he, he they, they felt like they achieved that. And I think it was a, diff, a very different show in the end. And mm. I, I always kind of wonder, it was a smaller show. It was, it was much more kind of... Um, almost like a chamber version of the show. And I kind of wonder if a lot of the problems that these kind of shows face is because they were trying to be too big originally. Mm. You know, that Carrie came about in the late 80s in the wake of stuff like, uh, you know, Phantom and, and Les Mis and Cats and those big, massive musicals. And I think almost the creators were trying to match the scale and the scope of those shows and kind of went a bit over their heads with it, which sounds a bit like what happened with Rebecca. And you kind of wonder mm, if, they'd, if they'd scaled their ideas down a little bit and started a bit smaller, rather than trying to create the next massive show, maybe it would have gone somewhere. It's hard yeah. to know. Yeah, I think tastes change. Yeah. And when it was when it was to come onto Broadway, it was 2012. And so it was around that time, you know, with Spider-Man and all the, right. where people were trying to, they, you know, people were, People are always trying to find the next, you know, best thing. Now it's the next Hamilton. It's like, how can we, how can we set a new genre that is, you know, like the rents of the world? And for Rebecca, I think it just, it came at the wrong time. It just out, it, Ben Sprecher just maybe un, the art of it got away from him and he was trying to make something Mm. that maybe 20 years prior would have been a big hit. But in 2012, people just weren't into it. I don't know. He did sell a million dollars worth of tickets, but it's not that much these days. A million dollars, not that much worth of a presale. So I don't know how popular it would be. I mean, I would love to see it broken down as a, in like a chamber setting. Cause I think some of those, you know, Gothic thriller type, shows really play well when you get this like when you have this really intimate moment i really enjoyed stafford's carry mm. um you guys saw it right yeah. we did yeah we flew yeah. over yeah of course and we you... did we were like book the tickets right of course who am i talking to <laughs> right but it was i really enjoyed it i thought it was great i mean marin Maisie, my goodness yeah. gracious oh, what a performance yeah what incredible. amazing one of those performances you just remember for like totally and i think if you have these like i'm i am in love with the divas of the stage who just sing the shit out of a song (laughs) in your face and i think a character like a mrs danvers or a margaret white yeah or a norma desmond or whatever and they're just like emoting and belting in your face like to do that in a smaller setting wow i think it would be amazing so who in the world knows yeah. yeah, maybe we should like form a production company that just does tiny, flops. tiny versions of flops. <laughs> Wonderland, we're coming for you. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> what was the pig musical? Betty Blue Eyes. Betty well, Blue Eyes. Oh. Yeah, yeah I mean, so we're coming for you guys. <laughs> yeah, they have to have a pig. Mystifyingly popular. 
Yeah, it did quite well, didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah. I think Kylie Minogue was the voice of the pig in... She was, yeah. There was a number about podiatry in it. It was a very strange piece. I must have blocked it out. (laughs) Yeah. I must have blocked it out. We talked to um, we talked to the wonderful creator of Desperately Seeking Susan in our show. I don't know if you're familiar with Desperately Seeking Susan, the musical, not the movie. Um, Peter Michael Marino, who wrote this this hilarious well, this a great musical based on the movie, which obviously stars Madonna. But he used the songs of Blondie, and um, it was a sim- similar kind of um, unraveling to Carrie in that they decided to stage it in the UK first, and it was very British, a very American story, and it all went horribly wrong, and it closed. And he is, if you get the chance, Blake, to speak to Peter, he lives in New York. He just has these oh, hilarious must. stories about Desperately Seeking Susan and the making of a musical that is just cursed and doomed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think maybe there is... Well, no- what- there's no pig in it, but we could maybe produce that as part of our new, our new job. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, through the course of this, I don't know if this happened to you, but so many people were throwing other yeah. crazy stories at me. Yeah. One of the craziest ones um, that I got, one of which I told on a bonus episode, was about um, what in the world was his name? Norman Keane. That was his name. He was a uh-huh. producer of um o calcutta you know the o calcutta the the like original 70s musical where they all stripped and it was like a big thing in the day because it was like naked and hair and all of that yeah uh anyway he ended up killing his wife and killing himself oh my god oh wow and his suicide note said please take care of my show and make sure it still runs. Oh, wow. Oh, no. That's intense. Crazy, right? That is super um, intense. But people are just, I mean, out of the woodwork, like, I don't know if you remember the the Burt, there, there's a new Burt Bacharach musical. My crap, I should be prepared for this. <laughs> but the Burt Bacharach music. no, I'm sorry, Barry Manilow musical. Okay. Harmony. Okay. Because he, there uh, is Kevin have Cabana, it- right? That's that. Yeah, Bar- yeah, Barry Manilow. Yeah. Yes. Um, he was doing so he's bringing it back now. It's called Harmony, but it was supposed to be produced like 10 or 20, I don't know, 15 years ago. Yeah. And basically, the producer ended up doing kind of like a Fritz thing, except it never actually got to the stage. Oh, wow. But it was like, try, like, got the musical halfway there, and then it got it into, the, I think, as close to like an out of town tryout. And then just disappeared. I was like, eh, actually, I'm not going to do this show anymore. Wow. I just left. <laughs> so I'm getting so many crazy stories. Have you guys gotten any like hot tips on crazy theater <laughs> stories? Oh, we've had it. After few... people listen to the pod. I think like you, we just get hit by lists of flops all the time. <laughs> yeah. Flops that people want to hear about. Because people aren't really sure. They're like, oh, are you going to do another series? And are you going to do this out the other? We're like, well, we don't know. But yeah, it, it's it's kind of. Yeah, people hit you with with what they what they really like you to get the tea on. We're like, well, we we kind of did the the flop. Yeah. <laughs> we, I know you could do Dance of the Vampires. Yeah, maybe. That was like... yeah that would be good. Or it's the, hard um... to find one, isn't it, that has as much of a story as Carrie behind it. Like yeah. it's it's an epic voyage, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dare we talk? Dare we talk about the the D word, the the Diana word? I mean, mm? which as of this recording is still on <laughs> not to not to be it is the strangest thing now diana is very interesting because it came it came of an age of the pandemic age right and we're going to mm-hmm. see in a few years how this whole period of time shakes out yeah. for the theater mm-hmm. but so because it was supposed to come on like right before the pandemic and then during the pandemic got this whole netflix deal which was people were like what yeah but they had that streaming Netflix deal and then they opened and got the worst reviews ever. Mm. And it's at a time where they're not reporting grosses. So you can't really right. tell right. how the show is doing and if it will get the mythical like hate watching <laughs> that people want to go and see something that was so terribly reviewed. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't 
bought tickets for it. It just really struck me because a couple of the reviews, like you mentioned, actually call out Carrie and say, you know, is this the new Carrie? Is this the Carrie of our time? You know, will people keep the playbill in a frame because they saw <laughs> Diana? And you kind of think, oh my God, people have thrown their lives into the show. Yeah, like, I know. That is what I, you know, I walked away with a lot. Like there is this mis- mystery around so much of it because in the theater, we're not very good at spilling the tea. You know, mm. very few people care about our tea, I guess I should say. A select few care about our tea. So it's like, and it's complicated tea and it's dramatic tea, but it's an insular, it's a small world. It's not like Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, where it's like splashed yeah. on every magazine cover. It's just like a small, you know, little world of gossipy people that mostly keep it to themselves. So I don't, I, I don't know, but it's so fascinating to me the amount of people who have like reached out to me about other little stories about other producers who didn't do right by by their shows about ongoing things that are happening now that people Mm. you know want to get out there in the world and I think one of the big takeaways for me is I'm sure it was for you because I could tell in some of the episodes that you guys put out was like sure the stories behind it are so interesting but also there's people because of the nature of the work and because you have to put so much time effort and your career and your livelihood into the making of a show it takes so long to just do a show that you could really get burnt in the end like the people from Rebecca put so much time and effort into it and Mm. for their careers just to go for like a whole year waiting for other shows to come around because they got completely screwed like there's a lot of people holding the bag in these failed disasters you know so it's it is kind of it you know I always like I it's hard. It must be hard to be a critic, I guess, yeah. knowing that you're taking down because you're so much more connected to it, I guess, than like a movie star, you know, like oh, you take down a Chris Pine movie. It's like he's going to be OK. I think we like found that a bit with with some of the original cast members of Carrie, didn't we, Holly? Mm. It really kind of we did. Like, it really shook them what happened to them. They were young and they'd never so been involved young. in anything of that scale before some of them and it really affected them I think even until very recently I think seeing that revival production for a lot of them was a big turning point because they kind of mm. you know they they got to watch the show and and see it almost redeeming itself and it was kind of like a, a bit of closure some of them were kind of suggesting to us oh, yeah. yeah have yeah. you had people that didn't want to talk to because it was like too painful of an of a thing to go back to yeah. yeah, a bit. Yeah, I think we did. We, yeah. we we kind of convinced a few people to take part who weren't originally quite sure because you know we we didn't. I think they were so used to the show being mocked and being laughed at, and we really made a point of 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 trying our best to treat it respectfully and and mm. kind of talking about it from the perspective of fans and and theatre fans. We didn't want to kind of you know it it's it's hard because there are some really silly parts of the show that you kind of can't help but laugh at and I think but I think in a loving way right oh yeah we just tried to keep snark out of it didn't we we was like we, we that's not what we were here for really because it's it like the stories themselves it doesn't need yeah. it the stories themselves are so interesting yeah exactly that you can come to your own conclusion I mean the animatronic pig you can maybe have a little <laughs> bit of snark about yeah I mean like the unitards, like you, we just relay them. But as you say, Blake, it's the human cost, isn't it? It's the collateral of these artists who've given up their time and their energy to something. And it's cruel to laugh at them and be like, you stupid people, you should have realized that it wasn't totally, Greece, you know? totally. I won't say who, but I had a number of people that didn't want to talk to me, mm-hmm. um, but that got back to me and were just like, I can't, it's still too painful. Yeah. I think oh. also because there was a whole, you know, my part of it then also delve into, you know, Ben Sprecher's whole life imploded after this thing. He ended up right. getting arrested for child pornography mm-hmm. and the whole, like, you know, he, that took such a dark turn that I think people People were so like, yeah, yeah, like you know, this man that they worked with and for, who was so deep. They were, you know, the cast and the crew were so deeply on his side because yeah. of this craziness that happened. And then to find out that this thing happened at the same time, it was so disturbing to a lot to a lot of people that were involved that they just mm. were like, I can't get into it. Yeah. But there's, 
But so I, and I, of course I deeply respect that. I mm, totally yeah. understand. Um, but who knows? It's picked up when too. There's an online documentary now about Rebecca and the story similar to what burnt is, but leaving out the part about Ben Sprecher, which is a little weird, but you know, I mean, look, these stories become mythical and they, mm. they build up steam on their own. Like, I mean, we're talking, still talking about Carrie, which hasn't had a production. What's the last time it's had like a big production. I know you guys went through, touched on a little bit, but there's nothing coming up for Carrie that you can tell. Right. Not that we're aware of. Yeah. If someone is planning a, a big revival, please tell us. Cause we'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the last time we saw the show, what, 2016, I think there was a sort of. In the Southwark. In the Southwark Playhouse here in London. And at the same time, there was a big immersive production over in California, mm. um, which was really. That must've been so cool. Oh, it looks so cool. Yeah. Everyone we talked to was like, oh my God, did you see that production? Um, Cause they completely kind of blew it up and and tore it to bits and they had people flying through the air and they had you know i think they had a dead pig as well i think they had a pig that you could kind of go take a selfie with <laughs> so yeah i think that was they were the last kind of big ones but there were productions happening all over the world all the time and um i remember stafford told us he was in russia for something else a different project and he saw this poster on a wall and obviously couldn't read it it was in russian but he recognized it immediately from the imagery that it was a production of Carrie. And he went to see this kind of tiny, intimate Russian Carrie in a basement somewhere. Oh my gosh. And just loved it because it was just so kind of pure and and, and Russian. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just everywhere now. At one point you could not produce Carrie for love nor money. You know, the rights were just not a thing you could ever get hold of and now mm. it's like every school every community set you know it's it's yeah. which is which is part of the story we tell and how that happened it's it's amazing yeah well Rebecca, if there's any enterprising producers out there <laughs> that feel that rebecca might enjoy the same kind of immersive <laughs> production <laughs> i i'm happy to offer my thoughts and opinions <laughs> on it <laughs> You could like <laughs> climb up the burning staircase to get to your seats. <laughs> oh my god! That well, that was another unsubstantiated rumor that I heard about the New York production. But that after all that, that they were going to try the last ditch effort was that they were going to actually bring Rebecca in, but nix the staircase. Can you imagine? Right. Oh, nix yeah. the whole fire, and that was it. I'm like, how do you nix the fire? But you know, you never know. Stafford did it without the blood, yeah. and yeah, I thought it was a great production. So you never know. You never know. You could have a projected staircase. Crazy. Well, guys, <laughs> I think we did it. We, we did, did it. it. <laughs> so tell the people that are burnt fans here where they can find Alpha Blood had have, have they if they are the few people who have missed out on Alpha Blood, where can they find it? Ah, oh, you can find it on your favorite podcast app or on BPN. Uh, yeah, wherever you get your pods, we'll be there. Definitely. And and you can we posted tons of fun stuff on social while we were doing the show as well. So out for blood podcast on instagram and out for blood pod on twitter there's loads of like photos that cast members gave us and loads of cool like little behind the scenes things so um if you start listening kind of scroll back to the the beginning of our social and follow along week by week as we yeah your that. instagram is very good i need to get better about that but your instagram is very very good Every, anything that's equivalent to carry <laughs> i'm like wow (laughs) i didn't know that and like where can people if they haven't managed to find uh burnt the good listeners of out for blood would like to hear where they can download it please you can go to burntbroadway.com and you can find all the episodes there the original series and then some of my bonus episodes where i talk about all the rest of the crazy stories like the Norman Keene story that I told. Uh, I talked to Sunset, uh, to the Sunset Projects Broadway Bob about the craziness surrounding the Sunset uh, mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard, uh, you know, the Shia LaBeouf getting arrested at Cabaret, yeah. uh, Patti LaPone, and who the real person was, who she yelled at and threw out of the theater. <laughs> I love that story. It was just Hilarious. Well, isn't it such a good story? But there's so many crazy scandals. But I will put a call out to both you guys and listeners of this podcast if you've made it this far. If you have a favorite scandal of the oh. stage and I haven't talked about it yet, please 
Instagram me, Blake Ross NY, or you can find it on burntbroadway.com. I want to know about it because I'm still looking for new stuff to talk about. There's so many crazy stories. I mean, like we haven't even gotten to Spider-Man yet, but it will come. Oh, Spider-Man. <laughs> Send in your flops. Send us your flops. <laughs> send us your flops. Send it exactly. Send in your flops or never worse. Well, I think that's about it. We should do the we should do the credits and stuff, right? We've got two sets of credits to roll. Yes. Through. But I mean, if you want to meet us in person, we'll probably all be hanging out at the Shaftesbury Theatre with some say <laughs> the <laughs> yes. bibles or something just a special live edition <laughs> yeah. of this crossover uh, event at the in the basement of the shaftsbury theater trying to revoke the curse amazing. <laughs> uh, well blake it's been amazing to speak to you yes i'm so glad we made it to the end you guys we did Yay. it looks like we made we it made speaking it. of barry manilow yeah. Well, well, here we go. Out for Blood is hosted and produced by me, Chris Adams. And me, Holly Morgan, with editing by Tom Moores, audio consulting by Paddy Jervis, original music by Odin Orn Hillmarson, and Rebecca Pitt is responsible for all of our beautiful imagery. And Burnt is reported and produced by me and edited by the fabulous Alan Seals and our gal pal, Brittany Bigelow. She's my co-producer, Dory Bernstein, and special thanks to the great Philip Baroff. And this special episode, my new friends, Chris and Holly, uh, so excited to do this from the comfort of my uh, wonderful <laughs> closet slash studio. Yeah, I better leave my professional podcast recording Say, studio Can now. you breathe? <laughs> yeah, it's better leave. <laughs> Exactly. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining, Thank everybody. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.